Hey, I'm Alex. Do it again, sorry. <laughs> Keep that in. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Do you remember when President of the United States was a classy job? Do you remember Polly Sai? <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, welcome to another episode of Remember Poli Sci with Alex and Brandon, the Alex and Brandon brothers. What up, what up, what up, what up? Yeah, Brandon, I'm so excited to be here today because it's really amazing to watch our country collapse. It's a <laughs> lawsuit showdown, Alex. You're pitting democracy against a bunch of fucking assholes. You know, it's funny because I always wanted to live in a country where the courts got to decide the elections. I that was I always aspired to be completely powerless to those who uh, ruled me. I think it's in a fantastic place to be, don't you? I think having unelected people in lifetime appointments is the absolute best way to run a constitutional democracy, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. Democracy, yeah. Big D, little D, whatever kind of D you got, Give you don't me got the... much of it. <laughs> yeah, you want the D, don't you? <laughs> I, I didn't do. quite say it. Hey, come on. I come on. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't Give be me afraid. Democracy. So we are, okay, it's been 19 days since we had an election. I, I haven't been alive that long, but every other presidential election that I can remember, I kind of remember the results coming in and the media outlets, the major media outlets calling the election. And then I remember, you know, feeling like, oh, cool, we got a new president. And then it was kind of boring, right? They called it the lame duck session. Yep. And not really that much would get done. Well, has this been boring, Brandon? This has not been boring. And you're right. Like every election since the beginning of time, once it became apparent who won, we all kind of beginning of time since the dinosaurs were holding elections literally since <laughs> trilobites were walking around we all kind of agreed that like that was the end of it the only exception was in 2000 and that was an election that was separated by a couple hundred votes in one state this is not the same oh. thing so so I mean, that that election you're talking about bush versus gore and i mean we could go into a whole episode about how sketchy that actually was i recently did some research on that i watched a documentary on it and it was extremely shady what happened down there have you heard the term brooks brothers riot before brandon have you heard that term i actually have not Dude, it was amazing. So guess who was there? One of my favorites. Roger Stone was there. Oh. And they basically created a media campaign around the recount of these ballots and had these fake activists come in and do protests in uh, around the polling places where, where the votes were actually being tallied. And this is a strategy that you could see Trump trying to use again. But the problem was... A lot of states voted against you, Donald Trump. It wasn't just one state. So it was really hard to marshal resources like all over the U.S. Like I said, we could go into a whole episode on what happened in 2000. But uh, if you're interested in it, I would recommend people look into it and refresh their memories because the whole thing was super, super sketchy. And the reason they called it the Brooks Brothers Riot was they uh, contended that these were Cuban activists that were doing these protests. And it ended up that it was actually paid Republican operatives. And Roger Stone's comment on it was that Republicans tend to dress much nicer than Democrats. So that's why we called it the Brooks Brothers Riot. So oh there you go, Lord. Roger Stone. Another what? classic. And it's funny because anyone who wants to compare this election to 2000, like you just said, we're not talking about one state and a couple hundred votes. We're talking about many states with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of votes. It's not the same thing. So, Alex, with your permission, could I please set the table on where we are now and how U.S. elections works? I think that there are some intricacies that people don't know about that I didn't even know about. Can we get into that? If you, 
Well, because it's so close to Thanksgiving, if you set the table, I want the turkey, I want the stuffing, I want the green beans, I want the jello at the end. You better so not have Thanksgiving you- this year. You cannot be with people who are not within your household. No Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's That's really been, mean. Thanksgiving's and been for- canceled by the liberals, Alex. Haven't you heard? For the record, I invited you to Thanksgiving, and I still haven't heard anything. Silence, crickets, and I'm going to take that as a you don't feel comfortable, and that's fine. I totally I'm respect that. I'm taking that as I respect science and public health, and so no, I'm not going to come and infect your family or have your family infect me. Thanks, though. Thanks for trying oh, to get come me on. killed, Alex. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger unless it causes chronic health problems. <laughs> In which case, not so much. All right, so the 2020 presidential election is effectively over, but let's just tick through what happens from here until Inauguration Day, which is January 20, 2021. So here's the deal. States have voted, right? People in states have already voted, and they've begun certifying their results. Certifying a result in a state basically means that state has said, yes, these are the official results. Now, here's here's the other day. Here's the deal. States have until December 8th to certify their results. So if every That state- is called safe harbor. That is safe harbor, by the way. And I like that term because it reminds me of a calming, you know, harbor with boats gently floating. And I need some of that in my life right and now. And the waves is kind of lapping at your ship. And the, the safe harbor is a good term <laughs> for that because what it means is if all the states say we have certified our results, that means that those results are basically insulated from legal challenges. And that ensures that any state won by a nominee that that nominee will have delegates sent to the electoral college okay electoral college now these electors meet on december 14th so about and by the way once i just have to interject that once those electors are sent to the electoral college they that is sacrosanct you cannot change that that is that is what it was and the result has to be accepted at that point which is why you know Donald Trump is very disappointed that we have a system of rules and laws because there is a deadline and it is fast approaching. And let's and I do want to get into that too, kind of how Trump has been approaching this. Um, and that's a really good point. So you're right. So once once those electors meet on December 14, then they are bound to that candidate per the state's certified results, right? And then on January 6th of next year, Congress will meet, they'll count and certify the electors' votes, and then that will be picking our new president. That's the technical legal way it happens. Now, here's what we've heard. Another key point. Yeah. It is, per the Constitution, it is up to each state to decide how their elections will be run and how those electors will be selected. That is not a, there's not a federal role there. Um, And so that is up to the states. And so it is done differently in different states. And there are different uh, deadlines for certification and such. But that uh, deadline, the federal deadline of December, eighth that applies to all the states equally that is correct and that's a really good point too now here's the thing is that some people are concerned about well what about faithless electors or if states decide to send electors that don't reflect that state's popular vote if there's any funny business there at all if any state wants to send electors that don't reflect their popular vote It would need the blessing of both chambers of Congress. And here's – I keep saying here's the deal. I should stop saying that. Um, Here are the facts. Look, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. Fringe – Democrats control the House. That was McCain. I heard John McCain coming. I hope we're going to hear from John McCain later. Man, you know what? And props to Cindy McCain, his his wife, his his widow, who has been supporting Biden through this and basically said John McCain would be terrified at what's happening right now, the way Republicans are acting, which is totally true. Um, 
Democrats control the House of Representatives, so they would have to agree on those electors that don't reflect the will of the people in those states. If Democrats don't like that, which they wouldn't, they could just delay things until after the constitutional deadline of January 20, which means that there would be no elected president, no president serving a current term, which means that the president would become the Speaker of the House, who is Democrat Nancy Pelosi. The Speaker, the speaker of the House would become the president. Correct. That's the kind of the line of succession, president, vice president, speaker of the House. Uh, without a president or vice president, that means Nancy Pelosi would be acting president for as long as it would take to resolve this conflict. So for people who are upset or scared or feeling anxious about this, I know that we're going to talk about this later, worst case scenarios. The worst case scenario scenario would be acting president nancy pelosi any there thoughts have about also that? been i can't quote the you know the particular cases but there's been significant supreme court cases involving faithless electors and it does make it very difficult to to actually perform a maneuver where your popular vote in your state would go one way and then your state assembly would nominate someone you know other electors there could even come a contentious time when if if the official electors were selected and then the state assembly tried to send another group of people there could be competing groups of electors so that that's what the reason i'm pointing that out is if there's one thing that we know donald trump enjoys it's chaos and i don't know if you're a fan of game of thrones brandon but i sure am and uh, one of my favorite (laughs) characters lord baelish says chaos is a ladder i think trump must have watched game of thrones because he seems to thrive off that continuously is it any coincidence that you actually look like lord baelish so that Lord Baelish is my Game of Thrones character. A lot of people who know me know that. I like to think that I'm the good version of Lord Baelish using my skills for good. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, we'll call you medium finger in that case. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So that sounds great. A lot of the things you're alluding to today sound sort of sexual and a little bit off putting. I just want to say, yeah, well, you know, you got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. Right. So here's the <laughs> oh, deal. God. Not all states have officially certified their results yet. Right. But the unofficial results show that Biden won the election. So now I wanted to pivot. So now that we've set the table, we understand the technicality of how our elections work. What is Trump's plan? Okay, his original plan was to go to court and to get the unofficial election results changed before states certified the results. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to back you up. I got to back you up. Okay, what is Trump's plan? I I need to just hit rewind on that. Trump's plan is to... (laughs) <laughs> Trump's plan that sorry that was that was something else. Trump's plan it was, was to stay in power. I liked it. Trump's plan was to stay in power, okay? L- like literally. Thank you. Yeah. That's bar none. There's nothing else going on. That's all Trump cares about. He's he's that is his plan. So even before, you know, go back to before the election. He was attempting every trick in the book to win, right? They paid for Kanye West to be put on the ballot in certain states. Uh, They were using misleading advertisements in states. They were willing to do whatever it took, right, to win. Okay, that was his first plan. Yeah, Trump Trump picked a postmaster general who took steps to make the mail slower by dismantling sorting machines and getting rid of mailboxes to make the mail slower to delay mail-in ballots. He also started attacking mail-in ballots and made the mistake of coming out and saying, if we went to total mail-in ballots, you'd never see another Republican in office again. Why is that? Because 
Democrats tend to be younger, right? Younger people, harder to get to the voting box, harder to get the day off from work. And it is disenfranchising if there are not ways to allow those people to vote. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I got two little kids. I work full time. If you tried to get me to get a Tuesday off to go down to the, down to the polls, I would find it extremely difficult. So, Trump has been talking about, I mean, honestly, he, he's the president of the United States. He should be plotting a course forward for our country. He has been plotting a course forward for himself for the past four years. They have been talking about how they're going to win the election, what they're going to do if they don't win the election, all the different options on the table. So I, I want to get you back on, on the track that you were on, but I just wanted to go back in time a little bit and say, from the onset, Trump is about Trump. He has been about preserving his fa- his power from the from day one. And the reason he's talked about, if I lose, it's because the election's rigged. He's preparing his core supporters for any possible outcome. That is his that is his his goal there is to make the unthinkable thinkable and believable so that when it comes down to you know, whatever it, whatever path he has to do to hold on to power, it doesn't seem so crazy. And that was the goal. Exactly. And that's why he started immediately making claims without evidence that the election was rigged, that there was fraud, that Biden was getting illegal votes, and that Trump actually won the election. And to your point, he had been setting that up for years in advance, for months in advance, saying that there are going to be problems with ballots so that when the time came that if he lost, that he could, in his mind, make a credible claim that there was something wrong with the election and start making these claims about fraud and votes being rigged and that his followers would believe it. And I think that this... The thing that I'm not surprised about is that Trump did this. The thing I am surprised about, and maybe it's naive, I'm surprised at how many Republicans are going along with it. There have been very few notable exceptions um, to this. Basically, Republicans have been allowing Trump to sow doubt among his supporters about the integrity of these elections. And it's scary because the implications for democracy moving forward are are vast. But just to stick to this election, I mean, you have Trump's own handpicked intelligence agency staff saying that the 2020 election was the safest in recorded history, that there was no evidence of systemic voter fraud. Trump fired his U.S. cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency director, Christopher Krebs, ostensibly for telling the truth by saying there was no systemic voter fraud. He- Did you know, Brandon, that Christopher Krebs came from a high position at Microsoft, took a pay cut to come work for the federal government, is exactly the type of person you want employed in the federal government, somebody with high expertise in his field, who's basically charged with protecting the elect- the uh, the cybersecurity of our elections, right? He's, he's the guy you want in government. I just it's it doesn't matter to Trump, though, because the goal here, you have to back up and see he doesn't have a coordinated plan. He is basically just going to stress every possible avenue. He's going around with his hammer, banging on the structure of the building, looking for weakness. And if he finds it, he's going to pound a hole through it. That's what he's looking for. Stressing the system. That's exactly what's going on here. Yes. And all of this is Trump is trying to sow doubt about the election so that he can change the unofficial results before states certify. That was kind of as much as there may be a plan. That was kind of his plan, I guess, B after losing the election, right, was to figure out how to change the votes before they got certified. Republicans have been saying the votes are still being counted. Let him have his day in court. Well, let's mention something. According to Mark Elias, who is a lawyer and founder of Democracy Docket, Trump is now 
two and 33 in courts around the country from Georgia to Nevada to Arizona to Pennsylvania. Those two wins, Alex, they were for a couple hundred votes that weren't even counted yet. So as much as Trump is saying this is a fraud, the election is rigged, his lawyers are not saying that in court. It's important to note, even Rudy Giuliani, Kaludi Rudy, said explicitly that the case <laughs> in Pennsylvania was not about fraud. They're trying to throw out 100,000 ballots, and Giuliani saying explicitly this is not about fraud. So this question- isn't about legal. This isn't about a legal action per se, though. This is about pumping poison into the body, injecting poison into the body politic. The, the effect of having all these lawsuits is they can you know, point up at the courts and say, look, we have all these lawsuits pending. You need to slow down. We can't certify these elections. The, there's there's something going on here. We're looking into it. It's it's just by the by the fact of of putting these things in courts, they're changing the minds of their their base in particular. I just heard that 70% of Americans, okay, 70% of Americans understand that Joe Biden won the election. That's a pretty low number. That's of, too low. Because Joe Biden won the election. And a good number of Republicans, even ones who admit or accept, I guess is the better word, that Joe Biden won the election, a number of them think that there are credible, there is credible evidence of voter fraud. And the evidence that they've been given is essentially someone saying something, right? Rudy Giuliani saying, there's been massive fraud. And then you're right. When he goes to court, he says, well, we're not talking about fraud. You know, I want to back up a little bit, too, to why are Republicans going along with this? Brandon, 70 million people voted for Donald Trump, and a good number of those people see him as an outsider politician, as someone who doesn't go along with the status quo, and that's what they like about him. You understand that there has been poison pumped into the consciousness of these people for a long time that the government is corrupt, that the federal government can never get anything right, and they have someone up there who seems to be tearing down the federal government for someone like you, who's a institutionalist. (laughs) How dare you? you? It's that, true. That no, it's, very, that's completely true. I take my role as a public servant pretty seriously. So yeah, that's fair. Well, you are, and and I and you've you've, but you have to understand the majority of people have not worked within government, and they think, well, why is this guy in government getting some great pension, has some high paying job? Like, what does he do all day? I'm out here trying to work. I get you know twelve bucks an hour or whatever. Like, why are those people there? And those people, I I don't think you can underestimate the desire to which they would actually like, or they think they would like to see the system torn down. Now, if the system were actually torn down and we were thrust into a civil war, they may reconsider that, right? Like, it's nice to be able to drive to the store, have functional stoplights and roads and whatnot, and and not be bothered on the way to the store, not have to, you know, answer to some militia who's asking you for a bribe or something like that. But there is there is real anger out in the country. And Trump's vo- the, the people who voted for Trump are the people who also voted down ballot for Republicans. And those people cannot lose those voters, right? So they need to be very careful about when they decide to actually question Trump in public because 
the fastest way to turn off a Republican voter right now at large is to question Donald Trump. He is extremely popular. He just is. And that's something that we have to deal with. It's something that we have to accept. And maybe it's an education thing going forward. Maybe it's a, a media environment question. Those are things that I like to get into in the podcast. So continue with where you were going. Continue on that that Brandon train. Well, no, and I think part of how you reach some of those people, frankly, is by electing politicians who speak to the needs, not to the needs of people who believe in conspiracy theories or support racism, not those needs, but the needs of people who feel like you just said, I'm working my ass off and what do I have to show for it? It's hard to tell those people that the representatives who maybe mirror them most closely on social issues definitely do not care about those people economically. That is a very difficult conversation or a way to persuade somebody. There's a whole nother conversation to be had about how Bernie Sanders was able to bridge that gap, even though he's incredibly liberal socially. He was able to activate people who feel downtrodden and left behind by their government because, frankly, they have been. And he's very clear to say it's Democrats and Republicans and those kinds of politicians. We need more of them moving forward. I think that is part of the solution. But just really quick before we we continue on this strategy of Trump trying to go to court and to fundamentally change the unofficial results before they become certified i'm just going to make a statement that strategy has not worked again he's 2 and 33 in court i think what trump thought was going to happen is that he'd get 3 or 4 or 5 wins that then democrats would have to appeal and they would get appealed and appealed all the way to the supreme court and all of a sudden you'd have these like multiple supreme court cases about mail in ballots or you know what have you that has not happened and i have to say that that makes me feel heartened and encouraged that so far the system is holding cuz these lawsuits are absolutely frivolous so, Two points on that. Two yeah. points on that. Okay, one point. How much do you want to bet that Jared Kushner has a children's story about the wonders of the 2000 presidential election and reads that to Trump before Betty by every night? How wonderful it was that oh, the Republicans man. were able to basically dis discount ten what ten thousand ballots with these hanging chads in in Florida. Al Gore, if they had counted the ballots there, Al Gore would have 100% won that election. Republicans love that story, okay? Donald Trump in particular. And again, remember uh, that that is one state that was within the final margin was a few hundred votes. But you're right. I mean, it was a technicality about how do you, how do you record the will of a voter who technically didn't meet the absolute letter of the process because the paper had not been punched through fully but that was one that was that, that was, that was a technical state. problem right. that was a that was a that was a very specific technical problem that we are not having anything even close to that right now Correct. right yeah. our voting machines are doing a really good job of keeping track of who people voted for that's the problem for Trump more people voted for Joe Biden but the other thing i want to point out i do not believe Trump expected to lose either Arizona or Georgia i just 100% don't think that he did i think what their strategy was was this is going to come down to Nevada Pennsylvania Michigan, Wisconsin, and I don't think he expected to lose by such great margins in, in some of those states either. I mean, I, I think they kind of had their, their eggs all in one basket. Obviously, you could see them positioning towards Pennsylvania. The bulk of their lawsuits have been positioned there in Pennsylvania, and that's the state that they've been targeting. So I think, you know, by all accounts, Donald Trump had a worse night on election night than he expected to. Yes, and they didn't, they didn't expect that many 
points of failure that they didn't have to they didn't think that they were going to have to contend that many states exactly and they they 100 percent failed in georgia georgia has now certified their votes been certified by the secretary of state and i just want to say raffensburger 2020 or 2024 <laughs> well let's talk let's talk about that really quick unless you wanted to finish up that last point no finish up the last point i just wanted to ma- i just wanted to make the point that part of the reason trump's strategy is so ineffective is that he's he's waging far more battles than he expected to be doing right if he could have consolidated everyone's attention on one state, right, within a couple hundred right. votes, this would be very scary and a totally different story. But luckily, that's not where we are. You just mentioned right. it, it comes across more as like, look at this guy complaining about losing in all of these states. You know, it's just it's hard to swallow that there was massive voter fraud and you can't even give me a specific example of it in any of these states. It's a lot easier to create distrust in a, in one particular environment if you can just target in on one state and just hammer 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 but their media i mean their media blitz is all over the map right now anyway continue well and you mentioned georgia and so let's talk about that like you said georgia not a state trump expected to lose biden was leading by about fourteen thousand votes georgia had an automatic hand count of all of those five million ballots an audit and a recount now they were they did find in a couple of republican-led counties with republican elections officials some thumb drives that had votes that were not yet uploaded which is a little odd and we'll leave that aside trump made up a couple hundred votes there but the result was affirmed he ended up winning by about twelve thousand. did biden twelve thousand votes in georgia like you said the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, has certified the results. Their Republican pro-Trump governor, Brian Kemp, has signed off on that certification. Joe Biden has won Georgia. The AP has now called the race. But I wanted to ask you a quick question about Republicans' trust in elections because they've been calling for recounts and audits. There must be something wrong. We have to look more closely. By all accounts, Georgia did that. They recounted, they audited, they made some fixes to some minor mistakes. There were Democrats and Republicans watching every step of the way. Do you think that Republicans are now satisfied with Georgia's result after that full hand recount and audit? No, they'll never they'll never be satisfied. Well, why not? See, they got want- exactly what they wanted, Alex. They got the recount and the audit. Why would they not be satisfied? I was saying before the show, I'm really disappointed that you haven't watched Hamilton yet because now I was just going to drop another Hamilton reference. They will never be satisfied. They will never be satisfied. Anyway, can you please watch Hamilton? Is that Michael no, Jackson? And, that just, I don't know. No, it's a, it's a female vocalist. Shimona. It's a it's a it's a beautiful song. Anyway, what I wanted to say, Brandon, on this is Trump has been tweeting at these people. He's been tweeting at at Brian Kemp asking, you know, you need to do your your diligence. You need to do your duty for Donald Trump. Do your duty is he needs to win. Two days before everything had had been certified, Rudy Giuliani had this quote, and I and I have to read it because it's just so ridiculous. It shows how false the narrative they they are trying to spin. How false that narrative is. In the city of Atlanta, Republicans were not allowed to watch the absentee mail-in ballot process. Inspections completely cast aside. We have numerous double voters. We have numerous out-of-state voters. We have specific evidence of intimidation and and changes of votes. And this. We'll all be in a lawsuit coming out tomorrow. Here's the sound of that lawsuit. <laughs> Man, yeah, I- nothing. So, you know, what I what I suspect happened is an election is a big thing, right? I mean, five, how many people? Five million people cast votes in, in Georgia. In Georgia. 
Yep. Okay. Yeah. There's going to be a few instances of mistakes that occur. A mistake is not evidence of substantial voter fraud. For instance, like if you get four double votes by accident, that is not evidence of voter fraud, right? Well, and the if, funny if, thing is that they're taking those like single instances and saying, because of this, throw out 100,000 votes. How fucking ridiculous is that? Well, it's it's not it, the reason the lawsuits are not working is because that is it's because they're ridiculous. Literally, that's literally the argument they're making is that we found one ballot that was wrong, so this whole election needs to be thrown out. That's basically what it is in in various forms and colors. Okay, you so know, this, but, so basically, what you're saying is that Republicans who support Trump, despite the fact there was a full recount by hand, despite the fact that there was a full audit. You don't think Trump supporters are going to accept the result of Georgia's election, even though they've already certified? I think that, no. I think that's no, fair tr- to say, yeah. No, Trump supporters will not, because Trump is a cult. Trump is a cult of personality. Trump currently owns the Republican Party, but there are a few you know, independently-minded Republicans. I'll point to uh, Mitt Romney, who I just heard on the Axe Files, giving a really, really great interview. He is also an institutionalist, just like you. He happens to be a conservative. You guys wouldn't agree on policy, but you would agree on the process, right? You would both agree that a fair election, the way we have it set up, with risk-limit audit with recounts if the votes are very close that is a good system but people who subscribe to donald trump those folks will not be satisfied unless donald trump retains power that's what i'm saying is going to be the problem going forward yes i i totally agree um and i wanted to get to something that's adjacent to this conversation um and it's something that i actually put a video out about about an hour ago on our Twitter and Facebook, go to rememberpolysci.com to find it Remember as well. Remember <laughs> This commercial has been brought to you by the podcast that you're listening to. Um, we're talking about civil servants, and you're talking <laughs> about people who are institutionalists. We're talking about people who, in the face of a historic pandemic and a lot of difficult circumstances, there were so many workers and volunteers and civil servants who did an incredible job, right? And and there are lots of places where you can look to say this election ran well despite political party. For example, Maricopa County is the largest county in Arizona. They certified their election results yesterday unanimously, and it's worth noting their board of certifiers is made up of four Republicans and only one Democrat, and they all said our election ran smoothly. There was no voter fraud. People who are claiming that Arizona's election was somehow tainted are being ridiculous. And we all agree that we did a really good job because we did and we can prove it. And that to me is very heartening, right? On the other end of that, uh, there are some civil servants who, frankly, are not doing their job. And they're not doing their job explicitly because they want to make a political point. Two very brief examples, and then I want to get your response to this. Again, in Maricopa County, they have to sign off on the machine that sorts ballots and make sure that it's running correctly before they certify their entire election. And that requires a signature of a bipartisan group of people. But the Maricopa County Republican chair literally wrote on that certification, certification denied, because, quote, it is most important that we sign it that way because it was necessary to sign it that way to help our president 
couldn't get back in office. That's insane. And then some supervisors in Mojave County, which is also in Arizona, which Trump won overwhelmingly, they delayed their certification because their GOP supervisor said, quote, it doesn't have anything to do with our results. It's, quote, more of a big picture thing. So, Alex, these are civil servants who they're not saying anything was wrong with the election. The process worked. But when the time comes for them to sign off on that process, they're refusing because their preferred candidate lost. Is that not completely and highly inappropriate? I would just say, blow it off. Remember, poli sci? Okay, Jerry. <laughs> no, I mean, this This is the cult of personality that I'm referring to. This, this is not, we're supposed to have a process in this country for elections, right? That is supposed to be sacrosanct. That is no longer the case. And this is not something that started with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a symptom of this, but he has, for, he has certainly increased uh, he ha- he has blown up those fractures in our society, and he has laid waste the idea that we can trust a process that all of that you know our forefathers have worked, our forefathers and mothers have worked hard on preparing for us. Right? I've never questioned the the uh, integrity of elections in my life. I always figured we had a good system set up. You know, people would cast their votes. As a, you know, independent-minded person, but a registered Democrat, if Republicans win the most votes, I would have always supported those people in office. That's, and people should have a choice of who is in office. Folks who support Donald Trump blindly at this point, they're willing to do things like that. I, I wonder what the legal ramifications are going to be. You know, are, are those folks going to lose their positions? Are they going to lose their jobs? Interesting How that you gonna- mentioned that. We actually, we touch on that, not in these specific circumstances, but we do touch on that a little bit later in the notes. Um, I did want to say one more quick thing about this. We lobbed this question to Twitter whether civil servants refusing to do their jobs to make a political point is that damaging. We did get a response, so shout out to the listeners uh, from Lori Lynn King. Uh, She said, it's not just damaging, it's a dereliction of duty in their taxpayer-funded jobs in which they took an oath to serve the country, not serve only when their candidate wins. I think that sums it up quite nicely. Right. And but those folks, I mean, they feel like Joe Biden said, they feel like they're in a battle for the soul of the nation as well. And, you know, Trump actually posted on his Twitter feed this video of John Voight. Did you see this? This actor, John Voight, he's like one of the few, you know, semi B-list celebrity, whatever. I don't even know what what movie he was in. Um, He and he's basically saying we need to fight like our lives depend on it because this is Satan we're up against. I mean, can you imagine if that's the this way you old, saw... This old, soggy, wrinkled paper bag. If that's the way you saw this election, though, yeah, that would absolutely justify, you know, not signing off on certification if it meant that you thought that Donald Trump could remain in office. Just, I, I can't even go into how ridiculous it is that Donald Trump is the standard bearer of all things good when... Literally, for his entire life, he has been one of the most despicable human beings that could ever exist. I mean, you don't have to look far, and I don't need to go into details on it. It's really, it's it's just wild. Um, So Trump's strategy has been shifting as states begin to certify, right? Again, his plan was to win the election in that field. Then his plan was to change the unofficial results before they got certified. That is failing. So now what is he doing? He's getting more desperate. So he's trying to find these workarounds to subvert the will of the people, essentially. And we're seeing this pop up in Wayne County, which is the largest county in Michigan that encompasses the city of Detroit. 
their board of canvassers, two Democrats, two Republicans. The two Republicans voted not to certify their county's results. Then after a bunch of public testimony where they got their asses handed to them, they then voted to certify. But then the next day, after speaking with the Trump campaign, as it turns out, getting phone calls from Trump himself, tried to then backtrack and take away their certification saying, oh, we actually don't want to certify. Well, guess what, fuckers? It's too late. Certification's already in. It's going to the governor. Too bad. Now, you know what's amazing about that is I actually have a, a recording of what Trump said to, to those folks when he called them. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's hear it. Hey, uh, yeah, this is your favorite president, Donald J. Trump. Yeah, I'm not asking you to do anything for me, but if you could do something for me, it'd be fantastic if you could, uh, you know, not certify. Uh, but I didn't say that. You didn't hear that from me. And we could all make America great together. You can come out to the hotel. We could get you out there at Mar-a-Lago, get you some drinks and play some golf, okay? I'd be great yeah and i'll send you a free hat it's so distasteful and you know as it turns out you know there are republican lawmakers from michigan who were called to the white house they flew to dc meeting with trump ostensibly to be lobbied to send electors that do not reflect the will of michigan voters and they stayed in a trump hotel we had photos today of them leaving this trump hotel after meeting with trump trying to subvert the will of the people ostensibly it is disgusting and by the way these Wayne. This was actually, uh, you know, Kaylee McEnany. I love that last name, McEnany. Um, she said this was just a routine meeting. You know, Donald Trump meets with lawmakers oh, from yeah, all over the country. Oh, yeah, big coincidence. You know, the president often meets with local politicians who are directly responsible for um, the results in counties where he lost. That happens all the time. I don't see Trump totally. calling out legislators from Hawaii. Do you? Like, I don't see him calling people in North Dakota to come to the White House. Like, this is complete bullshit. By the way, these Wayne County canvassers, I, I just, to really quick go back, I know this is a lot of information, but it's it's fascinating to me. The reason why they tried to withhold their certification is because some of the precincts around Detroit were out of balance, which means that there was a discrepancy between the number of votes they had and the voters they showed checked in. This happens in every single election. It could be that people got absentee ballots and they forgot to check in, or it could be that they checked in and actually didn't end up voting. But the funny thing is, they did not withhold their certification in 2016. And as it turns out, there were far fewer out-of-balance precincts in Wayne County this year than in 2016. This is a bad-faith argument. They should be held no, accountable. Just, they're just making they're just making an excuse for you know why they did what they did. They needed to find something to pin it on. They're literally is, trying, yeah, like you said, it's a routine to, finding. They're trying to throw away votes because they didn't favor their candidate. That's the most that that is the most you know favorable viewing of this you could have. I, there is some good news because you said a little bit earlier. Shouldn't these people be held accountable? There is an NAACP group in Detroit suing the Trump campaign, claiming that this kind of lobbying of those canvassers of those lawmakers that that lobbying amounts to violations of the Voting Rights Act by trying to undermine the election results in Michigan. And now you also have the Michigan Attorney General is pondering criminal probes of state and local officials who bend to Trump's will on overturning election results. So she's conferring with election law experts on whether maybe some state laws have been violated. This is all very concerning. Again, is Trump's strategy, as much as you can call a strategy, is shifting because he's getting desperate. I mean, how bad is this, even if this doesn't overturn this election? I mean, this, to me, just seems highly, highly problematic. I, I don't know if, like, it sh how alarmed on a scale of 1 to 10 should we all be about this? 
So I'm just going to quote one of my favorite rappers, Logic, and you got to fight. Fight for your life. Fight for your right. Fight for what you believe is right. At this point, I, I, I previously in my thinking on this, I, I thought, you know, if we can get Donald Trump out of office, we should just pardon him. We should just try to move past this. We should just put this behind us and, and move forward. This is the this is the moment. This is the reality we find ourselves in. And I think it's tremendously important that we challenge this and that people are held accountable. It's going to take an immense amount of political effort. It's not going to be popular with 70 million people, but we need to reestablish the rule of law. And the only way to do that is for there to be consequences from this. Let me bring up another particularly, I think, disgusting example of some of the strategies that the Trump campaign are using in the state of Nevada. Have you heard about this? There was one of their 32 lawsuits that has failed, filed by conservative (laughs) activist Sharon Angle. She was angling for a little something something out there in Nevada. She was Um, sharing her bad faith arguments at the court. (laughs) Oh, damn, I love it. And so, um, and actually, she she filed her lawsuit against Nevada's Secretary of State, um, who's the only Republican statewide office holder. So this just shows it goes beyond party. This isn't about party. This is cult of personality for Trump. This lawsuit has been has been thrown out. It was one of the final lawsuits there. The injunction was denied. The election's moving forward. The certification's moving forward in Nevada. I was just reading last night that the Trump that one of the um, activists that is in contact with the Trump campaign has filed a new lawsuit against the electors, the electors that will be nominated by the state of Nevada to represent Joe Biden's votes from that state. And they're arguing that they're not taking into account all this supposed voter fraud that has been thrown out in other lawsuits. And they're going after these people personally because they're trying to intimidate them to either not supply their votes or change their votes. I think it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, it it is indicative of the way Donald Trump operates. I read uh, a, a story about how Donald Trump was being sued by creditors some years back and it came out in the media. So he countersued them for defamation and he was actually able to weasel out of some amount of that debt. This is the strategy that Donald Trump has used his whole life to cheat. He's a cheater. He's a cheating cheater that cheats. And he's this has worked out for him. He has become the president of the United States. A lot of us were looking at this in 2016 and saying, are you sure you want somebody this dangerous in power? Uh, This is a (laughs) completely predictable outcome for Donald Trump. You know, this is totally predictable. It is. And I mean, I'm glad I appreciate all the work that you put into these into these show notes to get because there are so many different examples of this. But something that you just said about these people as electors being named in this suit personally, you know, I've been a public servant since 2012 in different government administration jobs. And one job I had was supervising a program with the city of Portland. There've been a couple times that I was called to the city of Portland's hearings office. It's like a pre-judicial adjudication place where you can kind of work stuff out with people who disagree with decisions that the city makes. And there was a particular case, I'm not going to go into specific detail, but it had to do with the way that our program made a decision, had to do with city code, how we interpreted it. It got so far down to the detail of the Excel spreadsheet that we used to auto-populate a cell that added a certain number of days to a deadline. It got to that level of detail. As a public servant, I have so many different things to do. It took me an, an, an incredible amount of time for 
our staff to prepare for that hearing. They had to go through, you know, emails. How did we construct this Excel spreadsheet? How did we interpret city code? How, you know, was it consistent? Could we prove it? So every time the Trump campaign is filing another lawsuit, think about all of the people that have to spend time to prepare to go through everything because they care about their jobs and they want to represent their jobs well. And so in the case, in my case, it was a legitimate concern that somebody had, and that was their way to rectify that concern. Yes, it took us a lot of time to prepare, but we needed to do that. We ended up prevailing because we made the right decision. But the point was the system was working as intended. When you have a ton of frivolous lawsuits and you're naming people who are just trying to do their jobs, this is not just a stress on the system. It is hurting people individually. And that's the thing. It's like at the end of the day, people who work in government and people like electors, their staff, their volunteers, and they are 99.9% of the time trying their best. If they do something wrong, absolutely hold them accountable. Absolutely throw the book at them. We need to do that. But this is all just, again, like I know I'm putting on my, my government hat and I'm like trying to defend public servants, but it really is troubling. No, but I, I think people need to have more understanding of the system around them and how it holds things together and how precious it is that we live in a somewhat functional country. I mean, the, Donald Trump wants you to give up. That's that's the point of exactly. this, right? Well, we would we would put we would withdraw all our lawsuits if you would just do what we want. And that's right? a strategy this, that that works and the the good thing is that strategy of just throwing everything in the wall and seeing what sticks generally doesn't work against entities that are used to being sued like governments. Which right. is good. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good point. I mean, this strategy has worked very well for Donald Trump in his business dealings. Absolutely. I mean, we we could we could go into some of the fraud cases that Donald Trump is is facing when he leaves office. Very serious fraud charges brought forth by the state of New York that Donald Trump is going to have to answer for, and I'm sure that's somewhere in the back of his mind. So we've talked about a bunch of states. We talked about Nevada, Arizona, Michigan. We talked a little bit about Pennsylvania. I think I'm 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 still nervous about Pennsylvania. I just want to put that out there that the other states Why? seem pr- pretty well settled. I, I just feel like something could go down. I I know that I know that a number of lawsuits have been have been dismissed. You talked about the 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 last big push that they have to try and have the have the entire election basically thrown out. I just feel like Trump has put a lot of resources in there, and so that's the state that keeps me up at night. Um, now, one thing that that is that is making me feel better is the the law firms that were representing Trump in Pennsylvania, namely Jones Day and. Porter Wright, which are, you know, pretty high profile law firms, they both withdrew last week and and they actually withdrew under under pressure from the Lincoln Project. Do you know about the Lincoln Project, Brandon? Yeah, you're a big supporter of the Lincoln Project. I get it. You bet I am. In fact, if you want to listen to a podcast that's really good, (laughs) not to plug another podcast on my podcast, but the Lincoln Project podcast is fantastic. And so they had a public pressure campaign against these law firms. They encouraged people through Twitter to get a LinkedIn account and message these law firms and ask them, how do you guys feel about undermining democracy? So it's okay. It's all right. Trump's going to be fine. He called in the A-team. He's got... Who do you think he's got? I don't know. Ru- Ru- Who is Ru- it? Ru- 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 Rudy Julie. Oh, he's gotten melting hair and he's amazing. My name is Colludy Rudy and I love to collude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> did you just coin Colludy Rudy? Or no, did you hear that I, I heard that on the internet somewhere. 
Oh wait, my so, god, it's amazing. So the I, other person I, he's got, he, oh yeah, go he's got it. one other, he's got one other lawyer. Okay, Jenna Ellis. Do you know anything about Jenna Ellis? Yeah, I know about Jenna Ellis. Okay, so I got to read a couple quotes from Jenna Ellis. She's the type of person, she's a lawyer, also helping him out, who described Trump previously as an idiot who was quote boorish and arrogant and a bully, uh, and suggested that he was disgusting and quote, not a real Christian. Why, quote, why should we rest our highest office in the land on a man who fundamentally goes back and forth and cannot be trusted to be consistent or accurate in anything? Well, now she's representing him. So I just don't understand lawyers, I guess. Money talks. (laughs) I guess so. I mean, these people, I mean, do these people understand, like Rudy is at the end of his life, and I mean, he's in deep shit after this administration's out of office, so whatever. But there are people who are risking their professional reputations and careers and potential disbarment in representing right. this guy right now. I think that's a problem for them. It's going to be if it's not already. Well, that's probably part of the reason that these law firms chose to pull out. So, I, yeah, I, I just want to underscore the point that well, Trump's legal effort is anemic. It's on life support. And it's being represented by someone who has looks it, has it been exactly. In, has it been intubated yet? It's it's close. It's really. I mean, I think Rudy Giuliani at his last press conference was comparing his what he was trying to present to the movie My Cousin Vinny, and he butchered the plot line of the movie while trying to deliver it. It was just awful. It's just totally awful. So now, wait, I, I also I... I also have heard that Rudy is getting paid $20,000 a day. So Trump supporters, make sure to make another donation to the Trump campaign because your money is going straight to Rudy Giuliani. Rudy actually denied it. He said, we're going to work it out afterward. I, but Yeah, right. Yeah, it's going to be 30000 a day, not twenty. Let me. I just want to <laughs> put people's mind at ease a little bit about all these frivolous lawsuits. Alex, you said you were concerned about Pennsylvania. And I yeah, think, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. Here's the thing. When you look at almost every one of these lawsuits, there's there's a couple different things to think about. One of them you mentioned earlier is standing, right? Which basically means the person who's bringing the suit, what harm has been done to you, and why is it appropriate for this to come to this particular court right now? Basically, what right do you have to bring this to this court? And many of these cases lack proper standing for the courts that they're trying to get these filed in. That's one thing. But the biggest reason why people should feel more or less okay that the system is working so far so many of these suits are basically saying something happened in the administration of this election that created a bunch of illegal votes right whether it's the mail-in ballots whether it's oh they came in after the deadline whether it's you shouldn't have had no excuse absentee ballots but all of these suits are pointing to the way that the elections are administered and saying because it was administered this way throw out the votes the reason right. so that's called a legal remedy right you don't bring that's a, lawsuit. a remedy correct you don't you don't bring a lawsuit for no reason you are proposing a remedy so yeah, yeah you say they're basically yeah. yeah they're basically taking whatever they can find and they're saying look this looks a little weird the only way that w- that we can deal with this is by throwing out the entire election and Let judges- me back up a tiny tiny bit tiny bit brandon i'm not worried that trump is going to be able to overthrow this election that i think joe biden will be taking office on january 20th we have a we have a lot to talk about regarding that in particular but what i'm worried about is that one of his efforts may bear fruit you know i don't think he'll be able to overturn the entire election but perhaps he could get electors 
senators in a certain state sent. Perhaps he could delay things enough to cause real problems. And I think, again, this is stress testing. If you think Trump is going away, I mean, I, I would beg to differ with you, but Trumpism, this type of governing, is definitely not going away. There are there are politicians like Matt Gates, like Jim Jordan, who are studying this. They're Trump acolytes. They're they're just foaming at the mouth to give this another try. Because authoritarianism works unless we have an educated public and institutions that are insulated from government. And what Trump has done with his four years is attempt to erode those institutions as much as as possible. And if given another chance or another candidate who's willing to do the same, these institutions will get weaker and weaker. So that's my point, is that I'm worried about the long-term implications of what's going on. And I think that is completely fair to worry about, and we should be worried about it. I also want to put people's minds a little bit at ease. This part about standing, like you said, it basically, you come to court, you say, this thing happened, I was harmed, it's appropriate for it to be in this court, and here's what I want to have happen. In every one of these cases so far, judges including Trump appointees from many different states have told these lawyers the remedy that you're seeking throughout these votes is absolutely ridiculous. If you had an issue with the way that these elections are being administered, you could have remedied it before people voted in the first place. And there's a new lawsuit in Pennsylvania. There is a Republican congressman, Mike Kelly, out of out of Pennsylvania, who's filed a lawsuit seeking to block the state from certifying their election results and having the state legislature instead choose electors. Again, he's asking for something. He's asking for something to be remedied after the harm has already taken place. No judge as of right now has given any amount of daylight to this argument. So what I would ask you when you're looking at these lawsuits being filed or you're learning more about them, and you should actually check out democracydocket.com. That's where Mark Elias is, is tracking all of these. That's the way that we know that Trump is two and 33 in court. He's tracking all this stuff. Look at the remedy they're seeking. If what they are seeking is to throw out votes that have already been cast, it is very, very unlikely that those arguments are going to be persuasive. And we know that because Trump appointed judges from many different states have said as much, which, again, makes me feel kind of good about this whole thing. By but, the way, yeah. okay, can we please, as a country, right now, everyone decide, can we stop talking about Trump-appointed judges or Obama-appointed judges? That should not matter. I understand oh, that Oh, but judges, it does matter. <laughs> I know that it matters, but, you know, I know that, I understand that judges come with a particular philosophical perspective, right, an originalist or a constitutionalist or whatever, but this just when when it comes to the application of the law, it shouldn't matter. It you know? shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But it definitely does matter, right? And now, and yeah. Anyway, well, no, no, let's, let's, the- no, let's argue about this really quick because, like, remember at the end of Obama's term, how Congress was able to block the appointment of hundreds and hundreds of judges. Well, guess what? Those hundreds and hundreds of judges were filled during the beginning of Trump's term, and so you have, like, you look at district courts, state courts, and yes, the Supreme Court. They are filled with people who philosophically align more with Republicans than Democrats. That can be dangerous. It's just, it's, it's. I don't know. I guess for me, it's a little heartening to know that despite that that these underpinnings of democracy are holding fast at least so far well that's how 
totally baseless these lawsuits are like no one no one can get behind them um uh, what you just mentioned is it made me it made me laugh internally because uh oh but not externally oh i see no just internally because i was trying not to interrupt you but at one of his campaign rallies trump made this comment that it was almost criminal how many empty seats how many empty judge seats there were that obama left it's almost criminal we filled all those seats the guy is just dripping with lies and condescension he makes me physically ill he is a bad person, and I just wanted to point that out. Um, okay, so the loss that you described in Pennsylvania, very similar to the one in Nevada that just got thrown out, very similar to other lawsuits asking courts to basically just just block the election from even occurring, right? Um, now, there's a new lawsuit that's been filed in Michigan, not by Donald Trump and his campaign, but by um, individuals who are accusing the Trump campaign of disenfranchising hundreds of thousands of predominantly black voters in Detroit by pressuring local officials to refuse to certify Joe Biden as the winner in Wayne County without any evidence. I think this is heartening. And my question to you, Brandon, is, is it time to fight back? Is it time to, you know, get our own lawsuits going and let those work their way through the courts as well in retaliation for what Donald Trump has chosen to pursue as an election, a re-election campaign strategy? If there's merit in the lawsuits, then yes, not frivolously. I don't want to see that. And we had mentioned earlier, you know, in Michigan that there's an NAACP group suing the Trump campaign about violating the Voting Rights Act and that Michigan's attorney general is pondering criminal criminal probes of people who are being persuaded by by Trump to change the way they're approaching this. Those are the kinds of things we absolutely should be stress testing. And further, you know, if Biden uh, chooses to pursue some of, you know, I mean, not Biden himself. Let me let me back that up. During the Biden administration, once it takes office, if the Department of Justice chooses to go after people who broke the law, whether it's Trump or his supporters, if there is a sound reason to do so, they, they should not hold back. I don't I don't prescribe to the idea that after Biden takes office that, oh, we need to go past all of the illegal things that have happened and enter a period of healing. And no. If someone broke the law, if there's a reason to file a lawsuit, a legitimate reason, file it. That's how I feel about it. I totally agree with you. So I want to move on a little bit. And I know we've talked a lot about um, how you and I both believe that this effort won't work. But I think we both agree that it will have some long-term consequences for our country and for our democracy. But what if it did work, Brandon? What if Trump had been successful? Let's say he won Georgia, he won Arizona, it came down to Pennsylvania, he was able to sort of, you know, weasel out some kind of a a legal exercise that either blocked uh, electors for Biden uh, from presenting or maybe he had the whole election discounted. I don't know. What do you think this country would be like if this actually worked? Do you think it'd be a good place to live, to do business, to do research? Would it be a good place for people to visit from around the world? What do you think about that? Well, can I ask a clarifying question? Are you saying that where we are today, if Trump's strategy were to work, or are you saying like a hypothetical in which the election had been closer that if Trump only needed like one or two legal victories. Like I, I want to make the distinction because I want to be clear in my opinion, what Trump is pursuing right now will not work. And I say that very confidently as nervous as I am, as Democrats and liberals tend to be very anxious about these things. It's not going to work. So are you saying in a hypothetical in which the election maybe had been closer? 
Yeah, absolutely. Or possibly at a future time. I mean, right now. Oh, that's a good point. It's it's almost like a rubber band, right? You stretch out the rubber band. It's like Oliver Wendell Holmes said, a mind that's stretched never regains its original dimensions. You know, we the rubber band has now been stretched out so much further than we ever believed. And Donald Trump has done that continually throughout his presidency again and again subverting norms, subverting, you know, business as usual, subverting just general decency, right? And and that has an effect on a society. So my yeah, my question is either a hypothetical, you know, alternative reality 2020 or 2024, who knows? What do you think this country would be like if efforts like this were to be successful? It's very hard to say because this is not Joyce, like the what happened in Florida in 2000, it, it like you said, it, it was awful that when the will of the voters was clear that courts decided to throw out those ballots. And there's a legitimate case to be made that that election was, in fact, stolen by the judiciary. You can make that case. But what we're talking about here, if the election were closer, if we're talking about a hyper political judiciary that has kind of dropped any. Uh, facade of being objective and you have lawmakers and public servants saying, I know that everything went fine this election, but I'm going to oppose it because my preferred candidate didn't win. I don't know what that means for this country because for me, I care very much about the process of how we get from A to B. I care very much about that because in examining those processes and examining laws and policies and stuff, you can figure out If the outcomes you're getting are not what you want, you can figure out what the process is and then legally change that process. That creates lasting change with the will of the people. And that's the important thing is that when we're talking about Trump's strategy here, we're literally talking about the various different ways in which an elected leader can strong arm our government into an outcome that subverts the will of the people. And so a future in which an election were closer and some of this stuff were to work, I don't know what it means. It's it's incredibly, incredibly damaging because what you're basically telling people is the rule of law doesn't matter and that you shouldn't vote. It doesn't matter who's in government, and we should just surrender ourselves to a government and to a country that's not ruled by the will of the people, and that's extremely yes. troubling. Yes, okay, finally, finally you got where you said what I wanted you to it say. It took me a while. That was a very, that was a very, no, it was great. It was, a, it was well said. That, that's the whole point of this podcast is for me to be able to, you know, unwind those statements out of you, and that's, it was a very leading question. It would be the end of political parties, right? It would be the end of democratic yeah. rule if things like this were to work. The reason I'm underscoring that is because people should be outraged about this, right? We need to be outraged about this. But outrage only goes so far. And the second part of my argument is that I feel like outrage is part of the way that we got here. I was reading a really, really good book called The Outrage Industry, Political Opinion, Media, and the New Incivility. And if if you don't see Trump as boorish and sort of the standard bearer for incivility on the national stage, then I don't know who would be. But there was a quote in this book that I thought sort of, and this book was written in, I believe it was 2015 or 2016. So this is, you know, before the Trump era at large, though Donald Trump was still uh, at that time trying to make some some moves into a wider sphere. So I wanted to read this this quote to you. I wanted to see what you thought of it. 
And I wanted to ask about how do we as as you know Americans how do we get through this moment as democrats republicans independents how should we look at each other and what do we want our social discourse to look like in the future okay so i'm going to read this quote from the book are you ready yep all right outrage discourse involves efforts to provoke emotional responses anger fear moral indignation from the audience through the use of overgeneralizations sensationalism, misleading or patently inaccurate information, ad hominem attacks, and belittling ridicule of opponents. I mean, did Donald Trump read this and think like, oh yeah, this is what I need to do. I mean, that's like a description of how he conducts himself. Um, And then the quote goes on. Outrage sidesteps the messy nuances of complex political issues in favor of melodrama, misrepresenting exaggeration, mockery, and hyperbolic forecasts of impending doom. Outrage talk is not rational critical discourse, nor is it accurately characterized as deliberation, although users may certainly draw upon or challenge perspectives and information from outrage media during their own political deliberation. Instead, it takes the form of verbal competition, political theater with a scorecard. What distinguishes this type of discourse is that it seeks to evoke emotion in the political arena. Let me repeat, you- let me repeat uh, it takes the form of verbal competition, political theater theater with a scorecard i think i think that very neatly sums up where we've gotten to in political discourse which is something this podcast is attempting to unwind there should not be a i will fight to the death to be right about an issue whether it's political or anything else it should be the pursuit of truth it should be about admitting when you're wrong it should be about pointing to the reason why you believe things, being willing to be challenged on them, being willing to explain yourself, being willing to bend your opinion to the facts. But when you have verbal competition, when you have political theater with a scorecard, you don't have those things. You just have two wolves fighting over a piece of meat. That can't be what our country is run by. It can't be, or else it won't work. Right. Well, it it banishes more nuanced political thought in argument, right? So Trump is able, I another way that I've heard it described is as symbolism, right? You can dispense with these long-winded arguments about global warming or, you know, how how a particular issue, like all of the different things that go into a particular issue, I can boil it down to it's a hoax. And then it's done, right? And to a certain section of the population, I I think that's sort of comforting, right? There's a lot of big, scary problems out there that are hard to understand, hard to control, perhaps impossible to control. And you get someone up there who claims to have knowledge and seems to exude confidence. And it it is sort of satisfying to a certain number of folks. So, I mean, this is the other thing. Wait, can I interject a little bit of breaking news? Absolutely not. Yes, please. Let's hear it. It's, it's not like the most breaking news, but to this point... Um, oh, come on, Brandon. Well, if it did... <laughs> uh, Congressman Liz Cheney, who is a Republican, who is, oh, yeah. who is the eldest daughter, former Vice President Dick Cheney, she just came out and she said, President Trump should respect the sanctity of our electoral process if he cannot prove his claims in court. And I think it's fair to say that he has not proved his claims in court. So just to go back that there are uh, some... I mean, yeah, some that, that's... 
Well, I'm just saying that like, there are some Republicans who are getting there, right? I mean, she says in the statement but, that they're obligated, I, if they have genuine evidence, they're obligated to present it immediately. And I think that that, I mean, I know it's not going far enough, right? Like, if you have a claim, you should have the evidence right away. But maybe we're starting to see, I mean, Liz Cheney, that's not your Mitt Romney's of the world. I mean, she you're going further along the spectrum of just people who are quick to criticize Trump, right? I mean, so I'm just saying that slowly maybe we're getting there. I agree with you. It's just disappointing to me that we have to count these baby steps towards some sort of resumption of normalcy as if it's a win. They never had any evidence to begin with. This whole thing has been a tremendous waste of energy. And by the way, can you think of anything important that's going on on the national stage right now that Trump could be possibly doing something about? Why are we spending so much of our political energy trying to litigate an election that was 100 percent in, in the quotes of, 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 of Trump's own appointed head of cybersecurity, the most secure in history. Why are we spending time doing this? I just heard that there are 80,000 Americans hospitalized with COVID-19 right now. 80,000. 2,000 people are dying every day of COVID-19. And Trump has not said one single thing other than, there's a vaccine coming. Great, there's a vaccine coming. What about the people who are sick now? What about the nurses, doctors, other healthcare workers that are stressed out of their minds in hospitals right now, crying on their break, watching people die every single day, and the president has nothing to say about it? And yeah, I I think it's great that Liz Cheney said that. And yeah, 100%, we need to go there. But this this it's it's disgusting that it's taking this long right trump has now lost 32 lawsuits does he have to lose 40 honestly i think trump is just waiting i think for the they're waiting for 41 and then, they're, then yeah. they'll all be like yeah, all, right. all right no i just i have to express my indignation about that because i think it's i just think it's awful that it's taking so long for people to clearly state reality i mean really it, it's just it's kind of awful really and it's a, okay. it's such a carefully worded statement too and I, I get it but like again i just i want to like on the scale of respecting the rule of law and a coup d'etat that statement is closer to respecting the rule of law than coup d'etat and that's good i mean at least you're not at least she's not like oh, the election was stolen we need to get it back from president trump like that would be obviously more concerning than the milk toast statement that she made that's all well and also we we failed we haven't even mentioned there is supposed to be a presidential transition process going on and trump is sabotaging the country trump is sabotaging the incoming biden administration in many different ways do you want to get into that a little bit. I mean, so he's Trump has made these sweeping foreign policy announcements. He's going to withdraw troops from Afghanistan, it looks like, against the against the wishes of many establishment members including Mitch McConnell. Um, he's he's making moves to lock up financial resources with the Fed. Steve Mnuchin has sent a letter that he needs the $455 billion that are unused. He needs that back right away from the Fed that could use it to help prop up state governments, could use this to help extend benefits to individuals that are out of work. What is the what is the economic necessity for asking for that money back now? You know, the Alex, you know what I have to say about that? Oh my God, it's a mirage. I'm telling y'all, it's sabotage. <laughs> Sorry, had to do it. Oh, I love that Beastie Boys. <laughs> I, he, he, I, it 
looks, it appears what Trump is trying to do is tear the house down on the way out while he fakely litigates an election and ignores the most pressing health crisis that this country has faced since 1918. We will easily surpass the number of U.S. service members who died in World War II, 295,000 or so. Right now, coronavirus has claimed about 250, 260,000 lives. We're going to surpass those World War II numbers. It's awful. And so we're, we're sitting here, you know, celebrating Liz Cheney. Anyway, yes. Th- Not even are, celebrating, are- but just, I mean, I want to look for places where Republicans are saying something, again, closer to the spectrum, on the spectrum towards respecting the rule of law. And I'll celebrate that, you know, as, as um, politely as I can. <laughs> but what about some dedication to... The stability of the country we live in. This isn't just a red-blue issue. And that's one thing I, I like about Joe Biden. He says, I'm not going to rule you know, for the blue states. I'm going to see this as the United States. It's a really simplistic thing to say. But a lot of the things that Joe Biden is, are, is saying right now are simplistic and need to be said because that's what we need to get back to. What uh, This is a question I wanted to pose to you. I feel that the media on both sides can be very much... Um, uh, uh, I guess I want to kind of phrase this carefully. It can discount the experience of the other side sometimes. Do you feel the average Democrat hates the average Republican and that the average Republican hates the average Democrat? Or do you feel that, you know, we there's something we share? How do you feel about that question, Brandon? It's interesting that you ask because I recently saw a graph that showed the the political demonization of the opposing party, and it showed Democrats and Republicans. And it it tried to encapsulate how often political leaders from either party, how often it spoke about the opposing party in terms that would suggest that they were enemies or um, that they were, you know, beyond just political disagreements, basically that that they were demonizing the other. And you see a very severe spike upward in the rhetoric that Republicans have been using against Democrats and a little bit with Democrats against Republicans, but not nearly to the same level where both parties used to criticize each other at around the same level using the same kinds of language. But lately it has been Republicans using language that suggests to their base that people who don't agree with you are evil, that they have malintent, that they want to destroy the country. And the more and more you do that and the more you normalize it, the worse. So I would say we have, with that chart and with the researchers who did that, have quantified that that demonization happens more with Republicans against Democrats than the other way around. Well, and the reason for that is clear. It's Donald Trump, who... I honestly, he's not an intelligent. Oh, don't forget about Newt Gingrich. Well, Newt Gingrich, yeah, he was sort of the grandfather of it, but you you noted a a recent uptick, and I think Donald Trump has normalized a certain way of speaking that, again, let's call it symbolism. It's it's very attractive in some ways to have the world boiled down to black and white. That's just not how things work. I wish that we could get back to, you know, counting, you know, they say count your blessings. It's kind of a trope, but we should. Look how functional our country is in a lot of ways. In in many regards, we are highly respected for our science, our industry, you know, our advancements in medicine. 
Why can't we start to celebrate those things more instead of constantly trying to tear each other down and and see and 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 highlight the differences and and the negativity? I'm hoping that the Biden administration will be able to do that in some regard. But I think part of what you're seeing from the outgoing Trump presidency is an, a sabotage and an attempt at sabotage on Joe oh. Biden doing that very thing. Sorry, I was going to sing the sabotage song again, but I won't do it. Yeah, well, you know, it's I hear the marble shaking right now. And, you know, when the marble shake, that means it's time for Brandon to offer some advice going forward to how you can better educate yourself in this trying time. Is there anything I could do, Brandon? Well, Alex, if you were to go to RememberPolySci.com, you will find all of our episodes. Yeah, we we appreciate you listening. Go to RememberPolySci.com and search for Remember Poly Sci. That's Remember P-O-L-I-S-C-I on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. No matter what podcatcher you're using, we would love to hear from you. And thank you for your support. But yeah, we're going to continue this conversation because the work doesn't end. The election may end. The work never ends. And I just want to point this out because it's kind of fun sometimes when you're listening to a podcast to get a little bit of insight into what was going on behind the scenes. The parts of our show notes that we did not get to today that maybe we will get to are hopes for a Biden presidency, the uh, race in Georgia, which I think we can easily present, you know, next time. Warnock versus Loeffler, Ossoff versus Purdue. I'd like to go into detail on that a little bit. The majority in the Senate hangs in the balance. Which is super, super duper exciting. And uh, incoming uh, Vice President Kamala Harris might get to play a pivotal role if we can pick up, if Democrats can pick up two Senate seats. We wanted to talk about get out the vote efforts. We want to talk about what special elections are. The history behind special elections is actually very interesting in the state of Georgia. So I want to go into that. Then we were going to also get into Biden's first 100 days, immigration, climate, student loans, how heavy will that executive order pen be, taxes, um, and how Republicans are going to respond to all of this. So there's a lot coming up in the weeks to come, and I very much am committed to delivering this podcast at least weekly. Um, I hope you're on board with that, Brandon. We could even go more than once a week, and I think we're also banding about having guests on the show at some point in the not-too-distant future, so do keep your ears peeled for that. Um, so it's kind of funny sometimes late at night, you know, when I'm getting ready for bed, I have these thoughts of things I'd like in the podcast. And I, I was thinking the other night, if I could pen a good pen, if I could type an email to Roger Stone, you could break out your quill and dip it in the ink. I totally think I could get Roger Stone on this show, is what I was thinking at like 12.30. And then when I woke up in the morning, I was like, no, I couldn't. (laughs) Oh, man. But we'll see. Maybe someday. I'd love to interview Roger Stone. I'd love to interview Steve Bannon. I want to get some different voices on this show. Come on, you guys. Uh, You can can hop on. I think you and I will argue about who deserves a platform, even as small as ours is. But I, I hear your point. It'd be fun to get some different people on. I think we can do it. But it's our podcast, so the thing is, if they said, you know, a bunch of stuff that seemed like, you know, rank disinformation that would uh, curdle the ears of our listeners, we just wouldn't put it in the cast, right? It's not that hard. Yes, that's true. You could always edit it out. Uh, (laughs) All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Good show. And until next time, go to RememberPolySci.com. Wah, 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 wah,